Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. I am enjoying what we're learning in the book of Romans. And last Sunday was very, very special as we were so encouraged about what Jesus has done for us and and for you to uh, be able to stand and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and the spontaneity of that and, and the excitement of that. And I'm just very grateful uh, for your willingness to be so responsive to the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to continue in the very next passage, and we're going to spend the next two Sundays on these passages. And the reason is that this passage that we're getting ready to deal with is probably the most complex passage in the book of Romans. And it is, uh, it's a difficult section, but it is extremely important to understand. So that's why we're going to move through it to make sure we grasp the fullness of what these verses are saying. These 10 verses that we're going to study over the next couple of weeks in the New Testament have been discussed and debated by biblical scholars probably more than any other passage. And, uh, and in just a few brief verses, it seems like, Paul summarizes the philosophy and the history of mankind. Imagine that, that he just summarizes it in these 10 verses. And, um, and it helps us to understand why we have some of the problems that we do. Like, for example, why is there evil in the world? Why does God allow that? Why do people die? Why is there sin in the world? Why, why does human nature never change? It, it just, I mean, the, what we see people doing today, it's really nothing new. There's not anything new that's happening today that hadn't happened before. And, uh, and some of the basic questions like, what happens when babies die? What really happens? And what happens to people? This is the question I'm probably asked more than anything else. What happens to people who never, ever heard the gospel? Who were never told the gospel? And so this is going to be a challenge. <clears throat> we're going to head it straight on. We're not going to shy away from what the Bible teaches. We never do. And hopefully this will give you some comfort in knowing, knowing who God really is. <clears throat> so let's start. Romans 5, we're going to begin in verse 12. When Adam sinned, thank you, Adam, sin entered the world. Adam sinned. Now, why did he say Eve? Didn't she sin first? Well, let's, we're going to get into that. <clears throat> when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned 
even before the law was given. That's before the Ten Commandments were given to Moses. But it was not counted as sin against, uh, counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. <coughs> sin, still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. Oh, man, just in those three verses, the stuff that's packed in there is unbelievable. <clears throat> so why is there evil in the world? Well, in that first phrase, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Now, sin, uh, Adam, he was a real person. He wasn't just a bedtime story to explain how the human race, I mean, he's an actual person. He truly lived. And <clears throat> this one man, he is why when he sinned, sin came into the world. Because of his disobedience, Sin entered the world. And what was his disobedience? The guy only had one rule. I mean, one rule. And he couldn't even manage that. He was told, and by the way, guys, when you get a little puffed up about, hey, well, the woman is the one that really messed up. No, no, no. Listen, when God gave the commandment about not eating of that certain tree, Eve was not even around yet. The commandment was given to Adam. And Adam was given this one rule. And his disobedience was that he ate forbidden fruit. Now Eve was disillusioned and she was deceived. But Adam willfully, willfully took and ate from that one tree. And God gave the commandment to Adam. God said, you can eat everything in the garden, everything, except one thing. Now, in the center of the garden, there were two trees. There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God said, hey, everything I've created, it's all yours. Enjoy it. I just got one rule. Stay away from that one tree. Do not eat from that. Now, isn't that interesting? <clears throat> God says you can eat anything in the garden, and yet that's what he went after? That's what they went after? The one thing? Isn't that typical? I mean, anytime there's a prohibition, there's something in our nature that we want to go after it. And Adam blew it for the rest of us. He, he spoiled the world for us. And sin entered the world through Adam, because of Adam. Now, Paul doesn't discuss the origin of sin, because this is not the origin of sin. That came from Satan. He doesn't even discuss that. But what he shows is how sin entered the world, and it was through one man. It was through one man. So now why do people die? 
Well, the Bible says Adam's sin, this is back in verse 12, Adam's sin brought death. Now, there are two diabolical twins that go together, sin and death. One goes with the other. When you see one, you're going to see the other. Death is a direct result of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages, that's something you, you work at and you earn it, right? You, you work, you get a wage. <clears throat> well, when you choose to sin, the payment is death. Now, what is death? We've got to unpackage this a little bit because this is, this is a little different. You know, death means separation, right? I mean, separation from God, separation from your loved ones. Um, there are actually three kinds of death in Scripture. There's physical death, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. But the Lord God warned him, Adam, he was the only one there, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Nothing is withheld from you. It's all yours. And it's open seven days a week. We're not even closed on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it's all there for you. Everything you want. Except, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And he did, and he did. He died. We're going to get into that, that, about that, that physical death didn't come immediately, but the death process began, but there was another death that we need to talk about. Now, this is universal. We all die. Hebrews 9.27, it says, And just as each person is destined to die once, after that comes judgment. So it's already been predetermined. God knows the day you're going to die. I, I did a funeral service yesterday for somebody who died in their 50s. And, you know, we think, wow, that's so young. I mean, when I was growing up, I always thought my grandparents were old already. You remember thinking that? Your grandparents were just old? And then when you got old enough to kind of figure out ages, you realize when I was a kid, my grandparents were in their 50s. Now I'm in my 60s. Wow, my grandparents were really young when I was a kid. <laughs> Theoretically, I mean, the reality is Adam would have lived on and on and on. I mean, he was not made to die. His body was actually made to live forever. But the Bible says that death came because of sin. And actually, it's a, this physical death is a gracious thing in that Adam would have lived for eternity in this sin state. And that would have been horrible. So actually, this physical death was a blessing in some ways. But when sin started messing things up, God said... I don't want this to go on forever and ever, so I'm going to allow death to come into the world, and death's going to be a part of it. And so back in Genesis 2 and 3, God said, once you eat this tree, you will die. But Adam didn't die immediately. 
In fact, he lived hundreds and hundreds of years after that. So the Bible is actually talking about a second death, and that is a spiritual death. This is much more serious than a physical death. You see, this is the major consequence of sin that's in the Bible. When Adam sinned, something died inside of him. And this tendency was passed on to everyone else in the human race. See, all of us are actually born dead, spiritually dead. And that's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. See, he wasn't talking about physical life because you already had that. He was talking about spiritual life because you were spiritually dead. You don't need life if you already have it. So Jesus was talking about a, a different kind of death. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience for many sins. And Paul's talking to Christians here in Ephesians so how can you live and be dead at the same time? Well, he's talking about a spiritual death. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much, that even when we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. So you see, he's talking about a different kind of death here. He's talking about a spiritual death. <clears throat> for he was raised from the dead, physical dead, along for he was raised, I'm sorry, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ <clears throat> and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for it. It's a gift, a free gift from God. Now there's a third kind of death. When you die physically and you're dead spiritually, you experience this third death. Not everybody will experience this, but you experience an eternal death. When you die physically and you're still dead spiritually, that means you said no to Jesus. You never said yes to Jesus. So you were dead. You were continually dead spiritually. You're born dead spiritually. And you will stay in that state your entire life until you pray to receive Christ. <clears throat> and when you pray to receive Christ, you're no longer dead spiritually, but you're alive spiritually. And spiritual death will never, ever come back. But if you don't make that decision, that when you, you're born physically, but you're dead spiritually, 
And then when you die physically, if you're still dead spiritually, then you will experience eternal death. Christians will never experience that. This happens when you leave this world. You either go to eternal life or you go to eternal death. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. Nothing in between. No other options. <clears throat> so physical death plus spiritual death equals eternal death. Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So everyone dies. Romans 5.12 states two things. There is universal sin because Adam is the father of all of us. And because of sin, there is universal death. Now, many people will argue about the first. A lot of people accept that it's obvious that everyone dies, but why but why? Because everyone has sinned. And that's where people want to argue with you. How can you sin if you haven't been born yet? Well, in this passage, I believe he's talking about our sin nature. Is it possible for a mother to pass on to their, her child that's not been born yet an infection that she might have? Well, yeah, that's possible. I mean, there... One of my kids has been fostering some kid, a child, and and uh, or I'm sorry, uh, I've got a, f a friend who's fostering a child, and that child's mother was a drug addict, and that child was born with drug addictions, and they had to go through a process of clearing that out of the child's system. You know, he, he inherited what the mother had. You know, some diseases, they'll do a genetic test just to see if it's an hereditary thing. And so it is possible. In, in fact, that's also the case in some forms of alcoholism, that there could be a genetic disposition towards alcohol in you that you inherited from family. So sin is an emotional and a spiritual defect in us. The Bible says Adam is the father of all of us. And when Adam sinned, he was carrying in him the genes of everyone that was yet to be born. And he passed that infection called sin onto us. That's how it happened. This sin nature, this tendency to sin, it's an inevitable tendency that we will naturally want to go the wrong way. Now, I know some people, they like to think, well, man's basically good with the potential of doing bad things. Well, the only thing that's wrong with that, it's not right. That's not what the Bible says. I don't think anybody who ever says that was ever a parent. Because when you've been a parent, you believe in original sin. I mean, do children, when they are born, have an automatic self-will? Absolutely. 
A baby is a very self-centered creature. They live for themselves, not for anybody else. How many of you had, how many of you had to teach your kids how to lie? Did you have to teach them that? No. It just kind of came naturally. They just kind of did it. I mean, it's a natural tendency in, in us that we want to do wrong. And that the Bible says because we're part of the human race and our father is Adam who sinned, he passed that infection on to us. This idea of being our own boss. How many of you had to teach your kids how to be disobedient? You didn't have to. They, they just knew how to do it. Do you sin because you're a sinner or are you a sinner because you sin? Well, that's, that's like, is an apple tree an apple tree only when it starts producing apples? No, it's an apple tree because it's an apple tree, whether it produces apples or not. The Bible says we sin because we're sinners. Because we have a natural sin nature. We commit sins because we have that sin nature. And when Adam was alive, he carried all the genes of the entire human race, and you and I actually came from Adam, every single one of us. And Adam messed up. Every chromosome that makes up us can all be traced back to him. That's what Paul is stating. So is it fair of God to condemn the whole world because one man messed up? Is it fair that I suffer for Adam's sin? I mean, after all, I wasn't there. But you know what? I got a feeling I'd have been standing by that tree too. It's just something in us. When we lived in Charlotte, we lived on a four-lane, busy, busy road. So obviously, we never let the kids play in the front yard. Our kids were young. They were little. And so we decided to compensate. <clears throat> we fenced in the backyard, and we just created kid paradise back there. I mean, they had everything they could want. It was all brand new stuff. Tree house, everything. Swing set. Uh, they had a tree house. They had a fireman's pole on it. They could slide down. I mean, it was great, great place to play, great place for them to have their kids over, and, I mean, their friends over. And we had great neighbors, and um, there was a little girl right next door that was about Katie's age, and they loved to play together. I, one day I was sitting in the den, and I noticed Katie was just standing at the fence, just standing there. And I went outside and said, hey, what's up? And she was standing at the fence with our neighbor, their yard, and she said, I want to go swing on her swing set. And I thought for a moment, I said, why? She said, because I, I want to swing on her swing set. I said, well, she's not at home, and you got the fence up. You're not supposed to cross over that fence. You know that. <clears throat> yeah, but I want to swing on her swing set. I said, hey, let me show you something. Look at your swing set. It's identical to her swing set. Identical. Now, take a good close look at her swing set. It's old and rusty. Yours is brand new. And she looked right at me and she said, I don't care. I want to swing on her swing set. 
Isn't it amazing what a fence will do to you? You put up a fence, I want to get on the other side of that fence. It's just in our nature that we want to do that. You know, it's not only fair that I suffer because of Adam's sin, but it's actually wise and gracious of God. Here's why. If God had taken each of us case by case and evaluated our lives, he would have come up with the same conclusion. Nobody's perfect. And even if he did take us on an individual basis, and and he does in terms of your relationship with Jesus, but declaring us sinners at birth, even David said, "I, I was a... I was conceived in sin. I I was a sinner in my mother's womb. God dealt with us through this one man named Adam. And by condemning the entire world in this one man, then God was able to save the whole world through one man, Jesus Christ. So one man brought total condemnation, Adam. But another man, Jesus, brought total salvation. And that's what Paul's teaching in this passage. Adam represents the sin that's in all of us. And Jesus represents the salvation that's available to all of us. We have... A lot more to talk about. But I want to close with just a quick comparison. Both Adam and Jesus committed a single act. Both influenced the entire human race. Adam's sin of disobedience and Jesus' death on the cross. One you're born with. The other you have to accept. You know you're going to experience physical death. It's It's a given. And we've already established that you were born spiritually dead. But you don't have to stay there. And since you don't have a magic calendar that tells you the day you're going to die, what do you do today to get ready for that day? You make a decision about Jesus so that you don't have to experience that eternal death. I'm thankful because most of you have made that decision. Maybe some of you have not. And if you want to make that decision, that you want to have eternal life, and you are tired of being spiritually dead, I invite you to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and and then was raised from the dead, You accept that by faith. 
you will be saved. Now today we're doing communion. And I'll be here at the front anyway for you if you want to come and say, I need spiritual life because I am spiritually dead. And for those of you who've already made that decision, you're coming today to celebrate, to remember what Jesus has done for you. Jesus is that second Adam, and this is what he's done for you. And so when you take the bread, that's his body, represents his body that he gave for you. When you drink the juice, that's his blood, he says, that he's given freely for you. And it begins a new covenant, the covenant between you and holy God through Jesus that he no longer counts you as a sinner. That he counts you as righteous. He counts you as a saint. So begin to prepare your heart. And the way we do it here, we've got six stations set up. When you're ready, you come to any of the stations. Take the elements, move to the side, and pray it together as a family or as friends, and, and then take your communion, and then you can turn to your seat as we continue to worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege, <clears throat> the privilege of sharing this communion today. Our deacons are going to come and be here at the front as we share in this time together. And I pray that as we come, we, we thank you. We thank you for the blood that you shed. We thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. And by faith, we are saved. And we will never, ever experience that eternal death. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.